Cool, cool. All right. It's, it's like we're literally good to go. So before we get started, if you've ever tried to buy real estate in Houston, you know how much of a headache that could be. And having the right person giving you the right information, accurate information, will always help you in making those crucial decisions when coming to purchasing a home or selling your home. Talk to an expert. You know, they're Monday through Friday from 9 to 6, cityinsidehouston.com. Any of their agents there can help you in selling or buying property. You know, another thing that is a crucial problem with entrepreneurs and people that are trying to start a business is that you have your hands in every aspects of business. So when it comes to growing your social media presence, it's hard to go all in. That's why I grow with Ruben.com. Check out their products. Check out my products. Sorry. One of the products that I have on there is because I fully a hundred percent support it. Uh, check it out. It's called Instagram launch pro plus, and it'll help you get, followers, real followers, and real people trying to engage with content similar to you. That's growwithruben.com. Go on their products and check that out. I also do want to give a shout out to Medical Bill Gurus. I won't say too much. My next guest will share a little bit about that, one half of that story. And... Uh, this guy is amazing. I met him a, a while back uh, when he, I'll let him tell the story. <laughs> I won't even say that much because I'm going to let him share his journey with you because I'm pretty sure he's going to drop clues everywhere for you to use for yourself. So not, let me give it up. None other than Daniel Lynch. What's up, man? What's going on, man? Super prompt to be in the house today. Yeah. Yeah, man. How was your flight over? Well, you know, man, I got into Austin Friday night. Um, it was a good flight. I had previously gone to the Rockies opening day celebration in Denver, so that was fun. Went right from that to a flight, went to a Morgellons Lime conference in Austin, and here I am today in Houston, Texas with my boy Ruben Martinez in the house. What it do? Yeah. <laughs> so... Um, so uh, super pumped to come here, guys. And um, like Ruben said, my name is Daniel Lynch. Um, I've been, you know, I, I've been a born entrepreneur. I know a lot of people say that, but uh, I've been trying to start my own business since I was 10 years old. Uh, started a pressure clean business, uh, went to engineering school, and now somehow have a medical billing company. And it just, it goes to show you that, you know, just if you take nothing out of this conversation or whatever you want to call it never be afraid to take the path that no one takes there's nothing wrong with just going in your own way paving your own life and just saying fuck it to whoever you want and do whatever the fuck you want that's 100 percent true <laughs> but before getting into that mindset let's go back a little bit yeah okay so where are you from 
I am from Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Okay. And did you go to school there? Did you go elsewhere? Yeah, so I uh, I originally went to school for structural engineering at the University of Florida. Um, minored in business administration, took a couple marketing classes. Um, but yeah, I'm originally a Florida boy. Uh, worked at a grocery store for six years uh, to pay myself through college, was a resident assistant, um, you know, worked two, three jobs in school, and uh, eventually found my way to Houston. Okay. I remember you moving to Houston. Yes, sir. Yeah. So funny story. I was in property management as a leasing agent and you had a job. Uh, I won't even mention it, but it's some big engineering job, structure engineer, if I recall. Yep. yep. It was a, uh, I was an assistant structural engineer at Burns and McDonald, okay. which was the number 15 best company to work for per fortune magazine just so you guys know take that with a grain of salt okay okay <laughs> so they've paid for you to come out to houston and apartment shop yeah you're correct so as part of my uh offer right out of school they gave me a house hunting trip and so i took my then fiance now wife out here for a week and we uh shopped around apartments eventually found our way to Ruben Martinez is our leasing agent, so uh, he closed the deal. He moved in, so yeah, that was awesome, man. Um, and it was crazy how that line of communication opened, and we kind of had like similar uh, goals in starting something outside of um, of just that nine to five. Outside. So you you rather live in the chaos than the structure. Just to summarize what you're getting out there. Right. Um, Sorry, I'm like, I'm listening to everything, but I'm also trying to share this on Facebook. The more people we can get on here, the best. Hey, man, share it, bro. Yeah, let's do this. So that's podcast number five. Number five with Daniel Lynch. Shared. Boom. I wish it was live. Okay. So you're you're you got the job. You're here. You're renting somewhere. And um what's what's happening? What's going on in your life right now? What's going on right now? No, no, not right now. In that time. Yeah. Let me back up a little bit first. Um, so when I was in school for structural engineering, I did I did everything you were supposed to do, right? Uh, except go go to class. But I had pretty good grades. I had two, three internships. Um, I was doing pretty well. I'll be honest. When I was in college, I was making $25, $40 an hour before I even graduated. Wow. I mean, that you know, that was the the type of opportunities you I had as an engineer. Yeah. And so I was thinking, you know what, man, I'm I'm doing pretty well. I'm going down this path. It seems pretty stable. I like critically thinking, uh, problem solving, everything you should do as an engineer. Yeah. Uh, but what I realized was that I uh, I fucking hate 
corporate America. And I never forget the minute I walked into a cubicle and I was like, wow, so, so you you did everything right. You've got the experience. You know, you got the one of the top internships. And I was like, God, like, fuck. Like, this is what you get for 40 years? Like, yeah. like oh, oh, but don't worry. If you do this long enough, you get an extra day every five years. So... <laughs> You know, hopefully you don't get sick that that day because yeah. it still counts against your vacation time. Wow. So, um, so you know, I I did all these engineering roles, and when I was in college, I had this this spark, and I was like, you know what? There's got to be something else out there. I'm not really. I just don't. I just don't feel like I can do this forever. I mean, you only live once, and so I uh, eventually just started just applying to everything I could, just nothing related to engineering. Yeah. And I ended up working for this company called Course Hero. And so when I worked for Course Hero, it was what's, a... I, I know that you're on, you're going. What's Course Hero? So Course Hero is an edu, educational startup that helps students when they're in school with additional resources. Um, they have notes from previous students, made some old exams. Uh, it's it's really just this master's database of, of educational resources. So I uh, I applied to this internship, and he said, you know what, man, uh, you know it's really performance based. We, we can pay you in these ways, ways, but uh, you'll get exposed to the startup world. You'll you'll learn some new information. You know, just give it a shot. I was like, okay, you know, like I applied to other startups that are complete pieces of shit. Nothing had ever happened. I said, you know, what? I'm gonna go down go down this path and. I'm I'm going to start working with this uh, startup. What is interesting is I've always had a knack for technology. Uh, The Google algorithm, SEO, it's always fascinated me. And so when I started working for Course Hero, I started learning a lot about uh, the startup world, digital marketing. And before I knew it, I actually started making more money than I'd ever seen in my life. And at that time, course, yeah, it was a couple thousand dollars here and there. But when you're 20, 21 and you're used to working at a grocery store, you worked your way up to an engineering internship, you're making 20, 25 dollars an hour. But then all of a sudden you make a couple thousand working on your own time, whenever you want, wherever you want. And then you can continuously make more and more money. The more efficient you get. I was like. That light bulb, well, you know, we always talk about those moments as an entrepreneur where you're like, I can never go fucking back. Like, it planted that seed. And, you know, as I'll get to later, eventually, course, you're on away, and I had to go down the path of being an engineer for a while. But eventually, I found my way into a different uh, place, a different trajectory, completely outside of engineering. And course, you're really planted that seed in me when I was 20, 21 years old. Um, to eventually always been thinking like, how can I leverage technology? How can I be thinking outside the box and create these innovative solutions or maybe even try to create a new category in a widespread industry? I mean, that's what they did in education. They created a new category and something that every college student could potentially benefit from harness digital marketing and they crushed it. Hmm. And, uh, I, I was chasing that dragon for a while after seeing that example. Yeah. So... What year was this? This was 2010, 2011. 2010, 2011. Oh, so that's yeah. like before the whole Udemy. That's yeah. like before all these kind of online school 
Yeah, they they were first to market. They made a huge land grab with uh, some Google SEO keywords in particular. Perfectly executed marketing plan. They had, uh, if I recall, they had experts from eBay, Yahoo, some angel investors. And so they knew what they were doing yeah. uh, in the tech space. And they really crushed it. And to this day, they still are. Yeah. So they got you on there. So now are you working with Chorus Hero? This is before you got your engineering job. Yeah, so I mean, at the same time, I I had been doing internships, so making some pretty good money. I mean, I mean, twenty twenty five bucks an hour. Eventually, I had a job where I made sometimes forty dollars an hour. I mm. mean, it, it was pretty good money. But what was crazy with Course Heroes, I got so efficient at what I was doing that I could even I could work on my lunch break. I could you know leverage social media, you know, harness the power of those algorithms to create some some content and and drive traffic to, to their website. And I could make, you know, more than $40 an hour uh, while I'm sleeping, hmm. you know, and that was kind of the, the oh shit moment. I was like, wow, this is an interesting way to think because I think, uh, you know, as you go through the educational system and, you know, just living in society, you think linear. It's hard to think exponential. Right. And, the, and it's really that spark that causes you to speak, think exponentially. Um, and so up to this point, I was, you know, I went from working at a grocery store, uh, being a resident assistant in the dorms to, you know, doing my engineering internships, working with Coursera while going to college. So, okay. So you're working at Coursera, you're making decent money at this point. Some people might even quit college and be like, I'm going to do this full time and hit it. Yeah. A hundred percent. So you finish, you graduated, you got a job, came to Houston, you moved to Houston, you start working as an engineer, as yes. a structure engineer. Yes. Tell me about that. So uh, um, when I was in college, I had worked for the largest utility in the country, uh, gained some great experience with trans, trans, transmission line engineering. I was the construction advisor for a power plant being erected for, from the ground up with structural steel. So I had a lot of experience in engineering. I had a phenomenal offer from Burns McDonald coming out of school. They were going to do a house hunting trip, a signing bonus, pay for error, me and my wife to move to Houston. Uh, so I, I jumped into that and I'd be focusing primarily on transmission lines. Um, at this point, it was nothing I was really excited about. I kind of seen the industry for what it was worth. But I said, you know what? I got to diversify. Coursera could go away any, any day. And eventually it did. I need to do what I went to school for. I mean, I, I spent up to this point really like what 23 years of my life to work to this point i'm like i gotta i gotta really jump in jump into the engineering world you know and see maybe it's different maybe when you're not an intern it's a different life i'm gonna work for a consulting agency be more fast-paced i'll learn more about you know how to really build a business you know, and get clients, do the engineering. I was excited. I mean, I was ready to go into the cubicle and, and give it one big shot there. Um, but, you know, that I, I just, I looked back into that moment and I kind of knew, I was like, I still can't do this for 40, 40 years of my life. I mean, I, uh, I'm excited. I'm grateful for the opportunity, but it was nothing that I was going to make a career out of. But I said, you know what, this will be a good learning experience. Um, and if anything, I'll give me some fuel that when I do jump ship, I'm going to fucking remember what it was like to be someone's bitch for a while. So, 
Um, that's where I got to that point. Okay. Sorry, we're having some technical difficulties here. And while you're saying all that stuff, it... Um, Sorry, man, some technical difficulties, but so you, you so, so you, you said, you mentioned you're going to remember exactly what. It's like to be someone's bitch. Somebody's bitch. Yeah, 100%. What, 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 you're saying basically as an engineer, you were still being bossed around daily. Well, I mean, the reality is, is when you when you graduate college, I mean, you're you haven't paid your dues in corporate America. No 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 corporate entity is going to give you this high dog uh, you know, management position in project management. And at the same time, I'm, I didn't have the experience for those positions, right? right? So I have to go I was actually slightly above entry level. I came in at like the 2-3 year mark right out of school. So that's nice. I got a pay bump. I had a higher grade based on my pay rate, etc. Mm -hmm. So I had um you know, I came out of school and I was given this position and, but, you know, you still have management overlooking you every day. You can, you know, you're on their, their time. They're paying for you. I had a project management. I have clients with the expectations. Uh, and I had to show up every day between a certain time. And, um, you know, I mean, that's what every job is. I mean, I'm not trying to sound like I'm some, you know, special person for not expecting that, but yeah, I just really hate thinking that others own my time. Even, hmm. even if they're paying me, by all means they're justified, but the the idea that only three weeks a year are are mine, right. that, that, that's it. Like I can't just go visit my family on a whim. I mean, I've got to plan it. And and I know I know everyone's like, well, what the fuck do you expect? Well, that's why I'm out there today because I couldn't fucking do it. So, yeah. um, you know, I, I, I the job was good. They had great training and they, they really tried to, to to set you up for success but right. it was just something i could not get passionate about i mean i was yeah. just like every day i'm just like when can i go home when can i go to my wife my dogs i just i want to go home and see my friends like yeah. i don't want to be with these people and when i was an intern I, I had this guy i had two things that were said to me that just still to this day uh drive me insane number one you spend more time with your coworkers on an annual basis than the person you marry and have children with. That's insane. But it's true though, right? You know, you, like you work eight, you work eight to five, get home at five thirty six. You know, you know, you catch some a nice meal, maybe watch a couple shows, maybe go to the gym. You've got four hours before you need to go to bed, and then. The day's all over again, and then maybe you see him for 30 minutes, an hour in the morning. And let's be real here. No one wants to see anybody in the morning. I mean, I'm, me and my wife are not morning people. We still yeah. don't see each other in the morning. But, um, you know, the, 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 the takeaway was, is, you know, you spend eight hours with these people in a corporate environment, whether you like them or not. And then you spend three hours with the people that you give your last name. You, you have children with. Uh, mm -hmm. You see those children. I'm like, I just... Even to that, even at that point, when I heard this when I was 20, 21 years old, I was like, 
I, I just – that's not me. If, if I'm a father, I want to be there for every minute of every day with that child right. and try to be there. And I, and I knew from that point forward, I was like, well, all right, red flag because I'll tell you what. Some of the people in the in the cube farm or I was not biffles with and uh, <laughs> we, we were just never going to really see eye to eye. It was more like I fucking hate you. You fucking hate me. Let's not really talk about it, right? Yeah, um, but we have to work together. Yeah, we have to work together. Yeah. And then the second piece of information that I got when I was in the, was an intern that still stuck with me every day when I went to work was, you know, as an engineer, you're always going to be comfortable financially. You're always going to have that, you know, above average pay. You're going to have a pretty comfy corporate benefits, but you're never going to be wealthy. You're never going to be well off. You're never going to be able to just take months off and travel. And, you know, at that time I was like, well, you know, I don't want to be this super rich guy. I just want to be able to support my family. And then if shit hits the fan, I want to be able to swipe that credit card, do what I need to do and not worry about it. Right. But, you know, even if you're making $100,000 a year, which by all means is a significant amount of money, more than I ever made as an engineer, you know, being like, hey, you know, when I'm 40, 45 years old, maybe I'll be making 100, 120 grand a year. What happens when you have a catastrophic event? What happens when you need to take months of work off because mm-hmm. maybe someone died and you want to be there for them? You want to you want to console your family. You want to maybe even try to you know spend money on treatment. I mean, there's only so many financial resources you have, and if if you run out of them and you can't work because you need to prioritize your family, then eventually you get into a financial rut. Hmm. You know, and and I have this mindset all the time when i was at corporate america i was like well, like i want to take care of my my sister or my mom my dad my my wife and i remember every day being they you know this engineering job is good but like i saw with course hero i could make a ton of money and that's actually what i use to support my family on and off stuff they need something i'd be like hey well i got this money i probably you know, would have expected a year ago, I'm going to go help help out them. And, you know, if a car breaks down, I'm going to pay for it. I'm going to help them. And, and I love that. It was, it was a, it was a great feeling to be able to support your family. Yeah. That's an amazing feeling. I think where there would be a disconnect is that if somebody has a very secure job, I think it would be really difficult for them to, for example, you're doing this on Course Hero. You're making so much money on Course Hero, yet at the end of the day, if you stop working, Course Hero won't continue to pay. While somebody that's working a nine to five, it's super secure and yeah. feeling comfortable. But you know, um, you know, security and stability is relative. That's mm-hmm. relative to you doing a good job at the showing up every day being able to do it right what happens if you get hit by a car and you're paralyzed they don't give a fuck about you that's true that's why they offer disability insurance if you have a good job right because they know you can't do your job mm-hmm. uh you know in my experience i blew my knee out of work and it was they were like well you know we need you to come into the office and i said well to be honest i i really can't bend my my knee it's extremely painful and they said well you still need to come in. And I said, well, okay, I'm going to try to do it. But, and it sucked. And eventually I had to have knee surgery. And I told, and I told the doctor about it. And he said, oh, we're going to put you on short term disability because you really can't go into a work environment. And mm-hmm. then they got upset because I took so much time off. And I said, well, go, go fuck yourself. I mean, like, what'd you expect? I mean, you, you, you fucked me over once. I come up to the plate again. And I'm like, I got fucked over. Yeah. Um, 
but it was it was a really emotional year for me in 2015 fast forwarding because i started off the year having knee surgery being super disabled to some extent uh if as soon as i got better um i i went and got married to my best friend i love her her name is abby lynch and hello abby lynch <laughs> Ab, the abby <laughs> who has put up with helen back with me yeah so uh you know we got married we took a honeymoon and even then i'm never gonna they'll be like well we can't approve too much that much time off and at that point i said you know it's a lot of time but you know per certain regulations uh, all my time off from my injuries is not held against me because that's protected by ADA. Yeah. So I, if you gave someone else t- the same amount of time off for their wedding, mm-hmm. I'm entitled to that as well. True. I know that's uncomfortable, but I at no point in my life was going to ever prioritize a fucking corporate <laughs> job over my life. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> all right. If you don't like it, maybe I should just like quit my job and not come back. Right. They gave me the time off. You know, it is what it is. Eventually they were like, you know, we got to give it to you. Obviously a little resent, you know, you're not going to get a raise this year. Probably. I'm like, you know what? I don't know if I'm even going to be here at the end of the year. I fucking hate this job every yeah. day. At this point, three, four years into this, I, not three, it was about not four. It was about, I think I lasted maybe a little over three. I couldn't, I never hit the four year mark. Um, three, you lasted three years there? I think it was like, yeah, it was, let me try to think. It, it was, I guess it wasn't even that long, maybe. Yeah. It felt a longer. It, felt it was longer. 2013, uh, the July 2013 till April 2016. So just under three years. So uh, just in, could, tapped out pretty quick. I guess, That's relative, pretty fast. Relative to 40 years, you know, I lasted two and a half years. And I was like, oh, man. But, uh, you know, I, I remember this and it was resentful. And everyone's like, well, you're going to fuck over your clients and your projects. And I'm like, but you only get married once, right? Like you want to have the best honeymoon. Why do you want to rush it? Honestly, I don't give a fuck about this. Like yeah. I'm just like, you know, I, I want to do a good job. They're paying my bills. I want to do this. But when i get married and this is something i i've been with this person and it's special like you're not even a priority to me i mean yeah. like all right you know at this point maybe i should just resign you know mm-hmm. but eventually you know i took the time off i had a great project manager who went up the bat with me and you know hopefully hopefully he doesn't hate me too much to this day yeah. but um you know i always prioritize my life you know so i get back to work i do everything eventually i get my performance review at the end of the year well you know i'm a two out of five in corporate america i'm always gonna be below average in corporate america that's what, that's what happens when you prioritize your family and your life over clients hmm. um i remember doing it i was like i don't even give a fuck you know it's like uh you know the things they they mention I, in my opinion you know performance reviews are not always there to help you. It's a way to justify holding you back and et cetera, blah, blah, blah. I don't want to get on too much. Uh, fast forward a couple months later, my dad dies, right? And I was just devastated. Like yeah. I just could not fathom just losing him in the blink of an eye. It was something that happened instant. I got a phone call at two in the morning and and I remember just being like, wow, like fuck man, like he's gone. Like my mom, my mom found him dead and in the bathroom, she called me. I heard when the paramedics came, they said he's gone and like, it oh, still haunts me to this day. And yeah. you know, it's, you know, when you have those moments, you know, you can say so many things about where you are in your life, but when you have those moments and they're so surreal, you know, you realize you're like, wow, like we could just die. We could just die instantly. We could just lose someone we love care of, you know, 
super close to you. And what devastated me is my dad was always great around Christmas. Okay, hmm. that was his favorite part of the year. He died two weeks before Christmas. Oh, the previous year, I didn't go to Christmas with him because I had a knee surgery. Yeah. So it was just like you know, I was like, wow, I can't. I missed last year. This year, mm-hmm. he's dead. I'm like, that's two Christmases. And that, and that really hurt me because Christmas was always the best time of the year for him. He had a lot of health issues, but he could always pull together around Christmas. And it was always a special time for my family. Yeah. So he passed away. I went home and, uh, you know, I was like, you know, devastated. My sister, my my fiance, my wife at the time, Abby, we got married at that point. Uh, we all come home and it's just devastating. I was I was in Florida within nine hours of him dying. I got on a plane and I said, well, I'm fucking there. Uh, you know, so I, I won't go to the details. It's just a very sad time in my life. And then I remember coming back to work uh, the beginning of January. Okay. And I remember coming back to work. And the first thing I was greeted on was by the vice president of being a douchebag, uh, also known as the operations VP, saying, hey, Daniel, you need to complete your, uh, your time card because you're holding up payroll for the whole – this is literally – I've been gone for three weeks, crying, devastated, depressed, Right. literally come in at 9 a.m. You need to do this. And, and, and ended up, you know, I was like, okay, well, like, I know I don't have enough PTO. I had already taken out God knows how much time off uh, yeah. previously, you know, just, just, just pro they'll pay me, just put whatever. And there was all these code issues and, and he was writing it. And I said, my dad died like three weeks ago before Christmas. Do you just... Do you not have any empathy? Well, he's like, well, I got to do this. And I said, you know what, man? I, I get that. But, like, do you see where I'm coming from? Like, I don't give a fuck. Like, you know, you're just riding me to do it. And I'm saying, and then eventually I got the IT department to say, well, it's like a, it's a technical issue. He couldn't have done it if he wanted to because of the scenario. Oh, well, that doesn't matter. You know, he's still, let's, let's probably write him up for it for all we know about, right? So, anyways. So uh, I do that, and then a couple hours later, I get a, I get a call from uh, a project manager who I fucking hated. Yeah. Uh, he he held my knee surgery against me. He said, you know, you missed this this deadline, this deadline. This I said, oh, that was when my dad died. Yeah. So you better believe I didn't give a fuck about that client that day right. and that project. And if that's how it's gonna be, I'm like, well, you know what? I'll just fucking walk out right now. Like fuck this. Right. Um. You know, I was obviously more professional because you got to be in corporate America. Yeah, you watch your ass bombs. Right. Um, and, and I was just like just blown away. I was like, you know, thanks for the condolences. Like, you know, and, and just uh, the point I want to make to everyone is that when shit hits the fan and you have these moments, you can you can be whoever you want to be. But it, it still worked first, understandably. Yeah. And you that's why you should prioritize you and your family every day that you can because no one else will they fucking won't no that's so true man and some people just commit just literally commit to their jobs and completely forget about their family which is something that you know i have a problem with because i'm such a kind of a workaholic it's if i'm at the office i'm working if i'm at a home i'm working and if i'm to myself i'm thinking about new ideas to work um so you're you're absolutely right. You definitely need to put family first. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, and, and I don't want to go into my story, this sob story, but <laughs> what I wanted to get at is just that, you know, y- you need to always be thinking, like, what what's your backup plan? And, you know, even as an entrepreneur today, I can do everything on my own, but I'm always trying to think, like, like if this happens, what am I going to do? Mm-hmm. Who, who's going to be there to catch me? 
And right. a lot of times there's no one there to catch you. Um, and so, you know, eventually up to that point, I had, Course Hero had gone away a while before this, but I had transitioned to a engineering tutoring company called Prep and Ear, and mm-hmm. I met a great guy in California, and we had basically what the what the product was was tutoring engineers for the fundamentals of engineering exam, which is mm-hmm. also known as the FE or EIT exam, mm-hmm. and we would provide a mentorship program for them, and um, it'd be two forty nine a month. So we we partnered up about a year before this, and we said, hey, you know what? Let's write a curriculum. Let's do everything. And so at this point, that was kind of my my plan was like, you know what? I need to get out of corporate america and focused on prep and ear super pumped so prep and ear was kind of your exit route it was my exit plan 100 exit plan for your job yeah okay so you're working this partnership you're uh you're working with this partnership you're kind of taking i want to say the skills from course hero and apply them over to prep and ear yeah because you know Really, what Course Hero did and what eventually Prep and did for me was is that it helped open my mind to digital marketing, to technology, how to build a business, and that don't think linear. How can you think outside the box when there's a problem that needs to be solved? Right. And so Prep and Ear really built on Course Hero. And I met this I he was a great mentor, um, the guy who started Prep and Ear, and really mm-hmm opened my eyes to be like, well, you know, let's create this, we'll scale it, we'll, we'll learn how to do some marketing, some sales. And this was my first sales opportunity. I had basically done marketing with Course Hero, but with Prep and Year, I was doing primarily the sales. He had a great marketing funnel in place with webinars and very skilled in the space, but um, it was my job to get people to sign up, pay $249 a month, and then eventually um, mentor them and hopefully get them to pass the exam and have a successful outcome. So you're working So you're working this co- with this company, Preparnier, that you help with. Yeah. Um, so you're with them, and then you're. are you still working with – uh, your engineering job? Yep, yeah, yeah, I'm doing both. So, I mean, I was doing the infamous, you know, eight to five shift and then the six to two shift and working, you know, trying to, sl- trying to sleep a couple hours here and there. And so, um, you know, it was very grueling. And then when my dad passed away, I just was so emotionally burnt out that I realized, you know, th- this is it. This is, I need to get my parachute. It's, try to, it's time to jump off that cliff and just go all in. So, um, you know, my dad passed away December 11th, 2015. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe it was March 20th, 2016 was my last day as an engineer. And so that's when I went all in. I, the first thing I did was I got on a plane and I went, went home and I spent another couple weeks with my mom and really tried to, uh, you know, spend some time. I mean, you know, when something like that happens, she, she's lonely, she's by herself. So I was right. like, I just want to go home, take care of her. Um, and just really, you know, my my opinion at that point, I was just trying to recover emotionally. Like, you know, what what's the next step? And, and Prep and Ear was there to kind of catch me and help build up that mindset of really starting a business, doing sales, learning how to, you know, nurture, nurture leads, uh, build customers, retain them. And then most of all, get results and provide a solution to the problem that they're facing. Gotcha. So 
that you know i'm trying to make it to where some people because some people can uh, go through issues like that with you know having a parent pass away or having just a bad job that has just a horrible place that you'd never want to really go to you know people some people call it quits there and they literally just you know just start going on a down downward spiral what what was it about you other than the obvious which is you're a very disciplined person and once you have this plan you execute on whatever plan that you have so that's that's very clear and anybody that looks at you or hears you talk can kind of see that what was it inside what about you was like you know what i need to i need to do this i need to jump all in onto prepreneur and give up this sure thing well you know i mean there's only so many opportunities in our lifetime where you 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 feel the courage and the and the the mindset to do that, right? If I had a family or you know I had other financial obligations, it would have been more difficult to just jump ship, right? But at that point in my life as an engineer, I said, well, what the fuck do I have to lose? I can go back to this fucking shitty job and anytime I want, right? I mean, when, when I re- when I resigned. The, they were they were upset I was leaving. I felt like I was an underperformer, but when I actually left, I was the oh, you're doing so good, Daniel. And I said, well, I don't hear that in my performance review. I mean, like you know, I hear that I'm a two out of five and I don't deserve a raise. So why the fuck do like you know? But I know that as an engineer, at any point, I can go back to any engineering job and say, hey, give me a job. Right. I had I had plenty of experience. I mean, I'm not worried about that. And once you have that confidence, what the fuck do you have to lose? I mean, I'm 25, 26. How many times in your life can you just do your own thing? There's so many, so many windows. If I had three kids and a mortgage and I had all these responsibilities, I would maybe not be able to do that. But I knew at that time I was at least self-aware. This was my shot. This is when I get that golden parachute out and I just go all in. Hmm. And um, so I, I, you know, prep and year was there to, to kind of catch me and and support me. And at that time, I luckily had also saved up some money because I knew this was coming. Right. I knew at some point I was jumping ship. I know I was going to be eventually, you know, diving into the abyss on Tower of Terror and just riding that roller coaster. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, prep and year was great. Um, and it, most of all, what I won back at that point was I won back my time. Because when you have time and you're disciplined and you have eight hours a day to focus on you and what's going to help your business grow instead of building someone else's, that it goes so far. I mean, the idea if you talk to someone who works eight to five and they're trying to build a business like I did for him from seven to two in the morning, you're tired. You only have so many hours of really good productivity. Right. You're burning that midnight wax and you're trying to just get shit done, but it's so hard. Right. You know, once you get that eight hours back, you know, 40 hours a week that you were giving someone else, you may not be getting paid, but that gives you the, the, the time to start doing that. Right. Um, so and that's, and those eight hours that you, you get free that you're, you're able to use for yourself. It pays you back in. It just pays you back so much better because you can really work at something and build it 
really good just at least once. Yeah. And, you know, you can get returns on that for however ever long it can last. You know, well, yeah. with technology nowadays... VR can be a thing of the of the past with the way we're moving. Actually, I think we're gonna we're we're going deeper into the VR. Skynet Skynet is coming. It's definitely coming for it's, sure. It's called Rank Brain. Google already has it. Look it up. I think I heard something a conversation with Elon Musk. He was talking about where we're like at the place where there's no return anymore. Like we've gone past that line well, and it's game we have over. Ma- we have machine learning i want to go down that rabbit hole right now but uh you know if you do seo it's all ai and machine learning all it's doing is collecting data points for people's questions and inquiries and providing solutions mm-hmm. it can connect the dots i mean it's it's always learning so it's, it's like hey you know i want to find a realtor near me and then they're going to give you a, a whole page of options, front page of Google, right? right. They're going to make, well, why did this person click this one versus the other result? And over time, they're going to realize, well, they spent more time on the landing page talking about that you were looking for listings in the in the Heights area of Houston. We're like, well, well, this person's really good at selling real estate in the Heights based on their user experience because all these people are talking to them about the Heights. Right. Just as an example, I mean, it goes on for on and on. Yeah. Uh, so going back to prep and year, uh, you know, I was doing that for a while. It was it was a great learning experience for me. I learned how to to do sales. I learned how to use tools such as HubSpot for marketing automations, sales tools, uh, the CRM. I learned how to use to do chatbots with Drift mm-hmm. and uh, run webinars. Uh, use tools such as Mailchimp. And at that point, I was like, well, you know, I went to I went to engineering school. I'm a pretty smart guy, right? Like, I could figure this out. It's like, you've never seen these tools before. But you know what? These are more applicable to most small business owners than anything else you'll ever learn, depending on what your role is. If you're doing sales, you should be knowing about these tools. So, see, there's something about people that can, you know, come up, come up to an idea yeah. and just know, okay, well... I suck at marketing. Yeah. I need to learn this type of marketing. Yeah. Well, I suck at making written form content. I need to educate myself on being a better writer. Yeah. So how were how you able to just look at the big picture and yeah. then say, okay, well, I'm going to focus this time on this. I'm going to yeah. focus this time on this. And now that I know where I'm at, I need to learn how to do this A, B, and C. Yeah. Can you take me through that breakdown of how you think of that? How do you see it from the big picture and then create little milestones to get to your big goal? Well, you know, the the reality is, is that when you, uh, when you have no money to pay your bills, you get really good at figuring things out very quickly. (laughs) And when your back's against the wall, you, you really do learn. Um, and so with prep and year, the first challenge was that I was on a, a strict con- contingency commission based pay. Right. So I didn't get paid unless I got people to sign up. Okay. And I didn't, right. get, I didn't continuously get paid unless they continue to pay every month. You know mm-hmm. I mean? And that's why I was so passionate about creating results. But I've never going to forget this moment where, you know, my, my partner, Justin, he basically was like, you know, Daniel, all these people are coming in, they're qualified leads, they're hot and heavy, there's thousands of them, why can't you close them? And I was like, man, like, you're fucking right, like, why can't I close them? I mean, like, I'm a, you know, I thought I was a big wig, you know, entrepreneur at that point, I was, you know, young buck, had no idea what I was getting into. Yeah. Um, 
and I tried calling everybody and I was like, oh, I'm going to close them, whatever, right? No one signed up for the longest time, right? Hmm. And I realized, you know, you know, when you're in these positions, you've got to, before you jump in and you start pitching and becoming this epic sales guy, you need to eventually just take a step back and be like, what is the problem that they're looking for a solution to? What are, what are they doing that they need help with? And with the engineering curriculum at Prepreneur, what it was is that they were trying to find the best content possible. So I realized, first of all, okay, I need to become a great writer. I, at that point, was a horrible writer, in my opinion. Could not write for the life of me. I need to be able to write content. I need to be able to communicate that content them to a way that they felt great about. And then most of all, take everything I've done and find a way to help them justify paying me $249 a month to tutor them. Hmm. Pretty tough. Pretty yeah. tough, right? So what I what I eventually found was that the secret trick was a couple things here, okay? First of all, don't try to reinvent the wheel. There's probably someone who's already doing something what you're doing or something similar. What are they doing? What is the format that helped them build that million-dollar business, to help them gain market share, to help crush the game? So I, I ordered uh, all of our competitors' materials, and I just studied them hmm. and said, if I was a student, how would I go about learning these materials? Um, how would I go about preparing for this exam? I, uh, To be honest, University of Florida, for this same exam, I never even took it serious because our school was so great at preparing us for engineering that we had a 95% passing rate. So I just walked into that exam after going out the night before and I passed it. Wow. Um, <laughs> but then I have other people who, who weren't as fortunate or maybe it was a little bit difficult for them and they would spend months and sometimes years preparing for this exam. And I was very empathetic to that and I realized, you know what, they... Maybe they didn't have as great professors as I did, or they've been out of school for 20, 30 years. Uh, maybe they didn't realize the importance of this exam and it was, still, it was too late. And then you've been out of school for 20 years with engineering. You're like, man, I don't remember anything at all. You know? um, so, you know, being empathetic. And so what I did is whenever I spoke with someone, instead of expecting them to pay money, we would just give them all this content for free that we created. Okay, and that was that was Justin's idea. He was very brilliant at providing this value, these these benefits up front. And what was crazy is we said, "Hey, um, you know, what do you need help with? Oh, I need help with this. We're gonna do a hour long workshop on that topic for you next week, and we're gonna create a twenty page document explaining it to you. We're gonna send it to you for free. We're not gonna ask for anything in return." And you're like, "What? Like, how do you not hook somebody by?" Yeah, and so we did this for a while, and what ended up happening over time is the more people who use these materials, they saw the level of depth we did and how dedicated we were to that cause and to that movement, and eventually they are like, you know what, you've got a whole other curriculum like this? We're like, yeah, a couple hundred videos, uh, 5,000 pages of reviews, problem sets, practice exams. Wow, you know, I've spent thousands of dollars on all these other programs. You guys are cheaper than them. And it sounds like you're completely different. And that's what happened. And that was what the catalyst was. And when I had that, that, that light bulb go off, I was like, wow, we do this. But what was interesting is I found I would try to cold call people and they felt like it was a sales pitch. And I always tell people when you jump on a call, don't, don't act super salesy. As, you know, I, I, I still to this day am a little too salesy when I, when I pick up the call and I call someone. Yeah. Talk to them. But no one likes being called. And talking about the engineering FE exam and a lot of people have what was called imposter syndrome where they doubted themselves they could not talk about failing this exam at work because they'd be seen as a failure blah 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 mm. so eventually I started texting them and when I texted them is when they would respond to me at their own time in a very self-service manner 
and we would have conversations and I would start sending them PDFs via text. I would send them links to YouTube videos via text. We'd work our way through email, jump on a call, and eventually they accelerated the sales process. And that was really how I learned to do sales and marketing. Um, and, you know, got me to work, kind of planted the, you know, the basis, the foundation for a lot of the skills I use today with both of my businesses currently. Hmm. Interesting. I like th that you, um, you used your own personal phone to text uh, potential clients. You could have just given out your number to any crazy person taking an FE exam. Well, you know, so. if you actually go online and Google my phone number, you'll still see some of those posts. It's indexed on Google, and I wish I hadn't done that. But, um, <laughs> you know, it was interesting because no one did that, right? So what I would do is I actually t would take all the phone numbers of everybody who went to our webinars, import them into my iCloud contacts, and then send out mass texts that were personalized. I personalized everyone, but I had a general template and text every person who was going to that webinar before and after. Hmm. And uh, no one did that, man. You know, like I always say, there's no one else you could talk to in the world about thermodynamics on a Saturday morning at 2 a.m. except for me. And when I did that, you better believe that person was interested in our program because they would never get support like that anywhere else. Yeah, no, I doubt anybody would invest so much of their time on a Saturday morning to talk about thermal dynamics dynamics yeah. ranking cycles will get you too excited at 2 a.m so no i'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure and i'm pretty sure that uh you're on red bull you're all wired up you're ready to help somebody out that's crazy that's crazy that's that's that tells so much about the kind of person that you are you kind of just went all in were you even a 50 50 partner on this company or were you, you know um, it was you know it was it was an opportunity for me so i had a, a particular um arrangement with them you know on based on my sales that was based on performance so okay okay so so now you quit your job you're with prepineer and i come at you with this idea uh for watchman delivery and I remember around this time, I'm telling you about Watchman Delivery. I'm kind of doing the back end of everything, all aspects of like marketing, getting everything to communicate with each other correctly. And then during this time, I have a friend of mine, which uh, we'll get into him here in a sec. A friend of mine was very interested into the whole concept of uh, the whole concept of Watchman Delivery. And then he's, a, you know, he's, you know him, he's super entrepreneur. I'm going to let him pretty soon share his story. But uh, it's somebody that I, you know, that I look up to that I was like, this guy can definitely point me in the right direction. And then uh, he came up with this idea of medical bill gurus that we originally uh, planned to do all three of us. I just couldn't commit to that project because of city inside Houston working a full-time job and also having watchman delivery. So you guys, um, I think at the last point that I was, that I was with you guys was when you guys flew out to Connecticut for a Lyme disease yeah. conference. So I don't want to start right there. So you're still at Prepreneur. Yeah. You take on this project yeah. for uh, medical bill gurus. Right. What what is this? And you what? Not what is this? Because I, don't, I I want I want him to share his portion. But what is it to you? So medical bill gurus is really that um, 
you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of business ideas you have as an entrepreneur, right? You're always looking for that next opportunity, that next idea. But when you find that passion project, I mean, it. You know, I thought I had been working hard with Prepaneer. I had been working hard, but when when I saw what Medical Bill Gurus and the vision that my partner had and what he was looking to do. Um, I was like, man, this this could have helped my family. So just so you know, Medical Bill Gurus is a patient advocacy service. We're a medical billing service, but we specialize in helping patients who have large financial obligations for medical treatments, whether it's a slip and fall that lands them in the ER or alternative cancer treatment in Mexico or Lyme disease treatment throughout the U.S., you know, we're going to try to provide a solution. And I was like, wow, like no, no one else is doing this. And, um, you know, Alex, you know, he – he, he just he had all the experience he had the expertise and he said you know what daniel let's um you know if we can find a way to build a digital marketing for this and the sales component um and you can help lead that we can really start building a business yeah not just a hobby not just something that you run out of your basement an actual business a, a, and, and honestly it's it's an emerging category alternative medicine um, with medical bill gurus. And so when I jumped in, um, I knew nothing about medical billing. I knew nothing about Lyme disease. I knew nothing about this alternative medicine market, but I believed him. Yeah. And I believed that there was this huge need for there. And the, and the key was, is that we need to find a way to connect with them. We need to find a way to communicate our service to people who have these problems and provide them with a solution. And so where I came in with medical bill gurus is Alex had all the years of experience with the, with the medical billing and it really is just the guru of medical billing with every facet with working with orthopedic surgeons to alternative doctors, um, doctors throughout the world. But we need a better way to communicate with them and, and let more patients know about our service because if anything, most patients who hear about our service, they're they're grateful exists and are more than willing to sign up for our service and pay our, our fee if we're successful um, and just want to know about us. Right. Um, and so from a digital marketing perspective, the light bulbs went off and said, well, what if we got ranked number one for this keyword? What if we, what if we trended for this on these algorithms? What if we did paid ads for this? What if we approached it from this angle, from the patient's perspective? And uh, it was it was pretty interesting what happened later on as we you know we'll jump into it some more but it just continued to snowball the more and more patients I talked with and and what I really did the first couple months with medical bill gurus that really helped me the most um, was I just jumped on the phone with patients and said hey like what are your problems you're facing I may not have a solution right now I don't really understand this but can can you guide me on what you're going through so I understand. And a lot of people, particularly in the Lyme disease community, they just wanted to share their stories yeah. because no one talks about Lyme disease and the, the epidemic and the, the life-changing effects it has on a family of someone who has chronic Lyme disease and then facing the stigma that society, the CDC, and all these other medical organizations, you know, their doctors down the street they've trusted for years think they're crazy because they say, well, Lyme disease doesn't exist past 28 days if you do deoxycycline. Hmm. And at that point, I was like, what? Like... This shit sounds horrible. I mean, it sounds horrible. Yeah. You're telling me your doctor won't help you? They said, well, in the Lyme disease world, and this is when I was just getting going, and I had no idea, most doctors don't understand Lyme disease unless they're not Lyme literate or ILAD certified. So um, so eventually at this point, um, I, I was just trying to gather data points on, you know, where – where, where can we go with this? Like there's this huge market of people who need our help. How do we connect with them? 
And so what I eventually found was that um, the biggest need that they had with medical bill gurus was they said, hey, we have these problems, but we also need awareness. And so, you know, what what we ended up doing is I said, you know what, I'm going to I'm going to take our money, my personal money, because we had not made any money at this time. And, you know, my partners and we're going to we're going to buy like a couple thousand Lyme disease awareness wristbands and we're going to do a huge campaign without asking for anything in return just to create awareness and show how big this epidemic is. Hmm. And so that was kind of that leads up to right before I actually moved to Houston. I mean, we moved to Denver from Houston where we sent out these wristbands. And we actually had a video go viral within the community saying, wow, like these guys are trying to help us. It got a couple hundred shares on social media and boom, before you know it, we had a uh, significant um, – following on social media and a large number of people who are very interested in us and that's at that point when we decided to go to danbury connecticut for the danbury lyme disease conference and and i was like i want to meet these people in person i want to like see i want to talk to the girl who has to wear a helmet every minute of every day of her life and she's 16 because she has seizures and she has a dog that she carries around with her that will actually alert her she's about to have a seizure and in the middle of a conference she would get on the ground and have a seizure and this was every day she knew this was going to happen because of what the Lyme disease was doing to her brain and her neurological system and I'm never going to forget those moments at that conference and it really planted the seeds where I was like you know what dude this is this is it, man. This is um, there's a lot of people who need our help here, and this is not just to make money as a business, but these are people who need assistance with their medical bills. These are people who are pursuing treatments and have been left hanging um, and need help. And that was kind of where we where we got to the point. I said, you know what, this is this is something I'm interested in. This is something I can see myself doing for a while. That's crazy, man. Especially when you find something that you're very passionate about. It's really easy to work at it. Like you said earlier today, or during this chat, earlier you said that when you were at the engineering job, you were literally just going, you know, you were going to work, but then you would, you you were going to work and then you would want to go home. Like you would want to go spend time with your wife, with your friends. You want to go. I had no passion for transmission lines. I'm just going to throw that out there. It was. (laughs) It was, it was very much a transactional state of my life where it was yeah. like, go to work, I get paid, I'm miserable, I go home, and then I'm happy to see my wife again. Yeah. And that was what got me through every day until I tried. But I knew I knew I had to find that, that that what would keep me up. And some, yeah, I'll tell you right now with medical gurus, there's sometimes I get so into it, I don't sleep. And <laughs> literally, I'm just like, I'm just, I got so much work I can do. And, and every person I can help is another person that's going to be a customer of ours and get their money back. And for some people, it may be helping them recover their life savings back. So. so what would you say would be something for somebody that, you know, he, they're not an engineer, but they're a, let's say they work at like Macy's or they're a waiter waitress. They're trying out multi-level marketing because they have that itch to like start something. They just don't know where to go. And they end up going to like one of these MLM companies, man. What do you kind of advice do you have for those, for those individuals? For the ML, I, and I'll, I'm going to, I'm going to just give you some general advice here with everything. Um, numbers don't lie. Numbers do not lie. And so, Whatever your efforts are that you're putting into things, there has to be some ROI. You have to be able to pay your bills. You have to support your family. 
And with a lot of the MLL companies, a lot of people buy into this idea that, you know, this is going to happen. This is what the outcome will be. But it's really that the person above them is chasing that same outcome, pushing them into their position when maybe they can't even make enough money doing this for a year to pay their own bills. And, you know, with some network marketing, by all means, there's a lot of results. But with a lot of people I've talked to, you know, they're they're told that they need to go to this conference or get this training and it's just completely full of shit. I mean, if you took the same amount of effort and you put it into something that was something you control your destiny with a little bit more, um, that has a, you know, you, you a business model and, and an idea that you can own and you can grow and it's not relying on others. I mean, I tell them, I say, well, you know, why don't you do that, man? I mean, with some of these MLMs, I mean, by all means, I know someone will watch this video and be like, well, I've got a fucking Ferrari and I go to Vegas six months out of the year. I'm like, well, you're cool. You're also like the 0.01% of people in that position because in order to get for you to have that success just from the laws and numbers on how it works out with pyramid schemes and at multi-level marketing, you've got to have enough people underneath you who are doing the work and selling and doing stuff. But my biggest issue with MLMs, just in my opinion, is that, hey, if you, you know, if you're going to buy into something and you're going to have employees, it's just, I've never heard of any other business model where your employees pay money to work for you and then you don't pay them. And that's with a lot of people I talk with. They say, well, I pay, I have to pay $250, $500 a month to be part of this organization. Cool. What do you, you get some training? Cool. But then like, at what point do you start getting that money back? And it's like, well, you know, why do you have two other jobs to support your MLM job? Man, but, uh, you know, they're riding around in Ferraris. And these people see others riding around in Ferraris, Lamborghinis. Yeah. So it must be real. What do you think? You can always put a rental car on your credit card. So <laughs> You can. <laughs> you can. Now, I see these, um, I see these, like, um, there's like these conferences, right, where they'll have like all these luxury cars come in and then everybody that's part of the company is able to like drive around, take pictures with these cars. And it's like it's clear as day. This is like portrayed. And, and this, is, this is my advice is to everybody in general, right? It's like, like, you know, when my dad died. I was devastated, right? But I still remembered, like, you you have to be able to pay your bills, right? Yeah. And every day I have that mindset that I can fake it till I make it all I want. But when I log into my bank account statement every day and I look at what money I have, what I have on credit cards, I know what the numbers are. I know right. where I am financially. And you can fake it to others all you want. But if you're chasing that long-term goal of happiness, financial freedom, and success, faking it till you make it only works so long. At some point, you got to make it, you know? That's so true. And I yet to find somebody that started at the bottom succeed in multi-level marketing. Hey, man, you know, and I don't I don't want to completely knock it because I know there's a lot of people who probably there's have, people have for done sure. really well. I but, actually know some people for but, sure. But, you know, I, I'm more obsessed with the ideas here. It's like, you know, what is your destiny? What is your trajectory? Like, you know, if you're putting all these hours and efforts into something, you're getting great experience. So get me wrong. I've done a lot of work for free in my life, okay? But if you're putting all those hours and XYZ in and time and resources and – you know, for some people watching this, maybe the most valuable time of your life is in your 20s when you don't have kids and you've got that window of time because when you're in your 30s, you're going to have kids. You're going to have to focus on being a father or mother. Um, you know, is it really the best use of that time when you have that window of opportunity and you're free falling and you're trying to make it work? You know, is that really worth it? And 
with a lot of things that I looked into, I was always like, well, I don't feel like I'm going to make money doing that. Like how long is it going to take me to make my first dollar? And I'm a very patient guy with medical book gurus. I waited quite a while before I saw the first dollar come in whatsoever. It actually costs you. It actually cost me a significant amount of money to get it going and to figure out how to get those funnels in place, those trips, those conferences, hotels, planes, meals, um, you know, wristbands, shipping out wristbands, my time, the website, the SEO. Uh, you know, it was just an exponential amount of money I kept pouring into it. But, I, you know, at some point, you know, the numbers may not justify the short term, but they'll justify the long term. And with that business model, I saw the long term potential for helping these people. And, and as a business, I saw that the market was there to help others. And I was I was ready to go, you know, hmm. and, and, you know, while it did take me some time to make my first dollar, I knew every every minute of every day that I was doing medical bill gurus at some point, um, you know, and don't get me wrong, you still doubt yourself. But I knew at some point it was going to hit and it was going to hit and people were, were going to get money back and we were all going to win. That's that's crazy because I saw it. I saw the whole thing up until where you guys are at now. I'm so proud of you guys. I saw. I actually went to uh, the new office here in Houston, and it's amazing. Uh, it's pretty nice. Cool, I think man. I put it on my on my stories. So cool, man. Anybody follows me on my stories? It's it's legit. Sweet. Yeah. So I I heard you mention in there, but mention it in your story, but I don't know if we really ta- talked about this so you moved from houston to denver colorado yeah, i did you got a house downtown uh, lovely house thanks for having a, me and Rhonda over <laughs> um definitely i got to make another trip out there why the move to colorado you know man um you know at some point i feel like i reached this uh this point in houston where you know i had a lot of growth i had a lot of things happen while i was here for a couple of years but I needed a change. I, I felt like, you know, with medical book gurus and where I was in life, um, I I wanted to eventually. I, I just I just didn't feel like things were clicking for me in Houston. I I you know I, when I was an engineer, I felt like I was in a good spot here and everything made sense. But when I quit my engineering job, eventually I said, you know, I have all this time during the day. I want to be able to walk places, and I wasn't living in the best part of town, and, and this and that, and I said, you know what, um, I visited Denver, and I went to the art district, and I just met the people there, and I have I have a lot of crazy ideas, because I love technology, and I remember going around Houston and talking about chatbots, and AI, and how I want to do digital marketing to small businesses, because I also wanted to start an agency, and no one really cared, but when I went to Denver, I was like, you know what, I think I could... This seems to be more of a, a fit for me. It actually reminds me of college in that state of that state of life I was in previously, where I was just consistently learning and trying to always find you know new opportunities. And when I was in Houston, I felt like because of everything that happened with me and where where I eventually ended up, I was like, you know what? Let's move to Denver and let's go somewhere and try to be happy and try a different way of life. And so you know, in the midst of our financial free fall, Tower of Terror is what I call it. I uh, said, you know what? I'm going to pay more in rent than I probably should. I'm going to live downtown. I'm going to walk everywhere. And I'm going to go to all these coffee shops. And what I also really liked about Denver, which was a huge selling point for me, was no humidity because I'm from Florida. I lived in Houston. I said, you know, I want to work outside all day. But I know for a fact in uh, August, if I go to Starbucks outside of Houston, it's going to be pretty toasty no matter what I do, right? Oh, yeah, no matter. Yeah. Actually, our weather's been super bipolar lately. Yeah. Like literally, I think it was like three days ago. 
uh, the weather was it was freezing. It was super cold, like in the middle of April. That's it was insane. Yeah. I don't know if it's climate change for those that believe in climate change. I don't, I don't want to go there. Yeah, we won't we won't go down that path. But you know, this is what, <laughs> this is and this is in my honest opinion for me is that I f- I've lived in a couple places in my life. I haven't moved a ton. I lived in Florida, a couple places, Texas, and now Denver. Every time you move outside your comfort zone and it's super uncomfortable, there's always some type of growth, right? And so I moved to Denver, and to this day, it was the best thing I ever did because I realized that was where I finally hit my stride with a lot of things, and it was all about my mindset. And I was in a place that made me happy for a lot of reasons. And you know, I love Houston. I, I think you know everybody should live where they like. But for me, it's like you know, I just want to try somewhere new. I will say the food sucks in Denver. Anybody who says it just hasn't lived in Texas. Um, <laughs> You know, and I was really excited about the idea of just all these new opportunities. I could, you know, walk everywhere. And what was crazy about Denver, I ended up finding out, was that Denver is actually the number one city in the country for college-educated millennials who work for themselves. Hmm. And so I started going to coffee shops, and I'd be like, oh, you run a company, you have a coffee shop too. It's nice to meet you, man. You know, and – and it was interesting to meet, like, other people who had the same – a similar type of story to me – and completely pivoted and just said, you know, I'm going to move to Denver and quit my job. And I said, well, dude, you know, join the club, right? It's right. great. And so, um, you know, I eventually found my way to Denver, and it was the best thing I ever did. It really was. And me and my wife, we absolutely love every minute of every day in Denver. That's man, Denver's beautiful. I love Denver. I think uh, there's a lot of room for growth in Denver. I think that the startup scene, it's fire there. It is. And that was another element, too, I should say, is that, you know, I used to go to the meetups and – uh, you know, I don't even know if they have a Houston startup week. I don't remember seeing that when I was here. Um, it's some, not that big. Yeah, it's it was, big. you know, it was really, you know, it was corporate. And for me, being in Houston was always going to remind me of, you know, every time I drove by my office, I was like, well, that was the corporate engineering office. That was the corporate life you were supposed to work. I was like, I want to go somewhere that's completely just like, you know, and now I, just to give you context, I, I work out of a converted elementary school that's a co-working space in the art district. And there's usually more scooters outside than cars sometimes. So, um, you know, it's just an interesting change of pace. So, Why Denver, though? Like, how did you come up to Denver? I don't well, even remember you visiting Denver. So Abby's brother, uh, my wife's brother, actually lived there. And we went and visited to visit him. And I was like, wow. Like, you know, Abby had mentioned it was beautiful. But I was like, I didn't, I didn't know it was like this, though, you know walking outside on a 60 degree day with no humidity and just going around and everyone's super nice and there's parks everywhere you can see the mountains in the distance i was like you know this is this is what i've been chasing that that inspiration you know um and so it was just a great move and you know i eventually stumbled upon learning more about the startup scene and so if you actually research denver startup week and the startup scene denver it rivals that of some of the other biggest startup areas such as Silicon Valley, Salt Lake City, Portland, Austin. There's a lot. We were thinking about Austin for a while too, but I said, you know, I just want to get out of the heat for a little bit, man. It's just so hot <laughs> in Texas, you know. I do love me some brisket though. Don't get me wrong. I was in Austin over the weekend. I got a little brisket in me. Um, but, you know, I just wanted to go somewhere new that was further out west. And most of all, what I found is that people in Colorado had a different way of thinking too with a lot of things. So. Mm-hmm that attracted me. They're a little bit more progressive and a lot of people don't know, but you know, Colorado is actually one of the states that has the most independent number of independent voters. Mm-hmm. And so they're, you know, you think Texas is Republican typically, or, you know, you think about California being democratic and that's, and that's how it is, right? You know, you would say a lot of parts of Texas are conservative. A lot of parts of California are liberal in Colorado. It's really a mixed bag depending on where you go. And I huh. love the idea of just these different schools of thoughts conflicting with each other. It's like everything. Yeah. Yeah. All types of 
of opinions. Yeah, yeah. And most people who live in Colorado are not from Colorado. They just stumbled into it, so. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of people from California moving to Texas now. Yeah. Um, a lot of people from New York, too. But I don't think it's because of politics. I think it's literally just be to, to avoid I mean, paying high taxes. Texas, Texas is a great state, man. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm here right now, right? So I'll probably <laughs> be back again soon. So So how's the taxes in Colorado? You know, they're, they're, they're a little bit higher. Don't get me wrong. So there's other high. perks, though, too. So it equals out in the end. But okay. they are higher than state income tax. Um, you know, but I mean, you know, as a small business right now, you know, I was in this position where I was like more focused on just happiness and trying to find a different place to live. I already lived in Florida, which is another tax, tax state tax free state. Um, and I was like, you know what, though, you know, I, I, you know, I'm still doing my taxes right now. So don't get me wrong. It's not fun. Right. But, uh, yeah. you know, I, I was like, you know, I don't want things like that to, to bog me down. I just want to keep hitting the grind and be happy and continue to push that positive mindset every day. And so, so I do pay some higher taxes now though. And the cost of living is significantly higher. So, yeah. So you kind of traded that, but now you have the money though, and you have the workload as well. So you're a super busy person. You know, you have medical bill gurus, you have all these things that you're juggling. And then on top of that, since you already have the skills, you're like, let me start my own media company. Yeah. How did we get there? And thus, Empathy First Media was born. So, I mean, Empathy um, First knows, Media. Anybody who knows me and knows my skill set, it's, I'm not the medical billing guru, right? That's Alex, right? But what I do do and what I'm what I'd say is my skill set is digital marketing, right? The idea that if you have a business idea, how to communicate that with the world and have people come into your ecosystem. So with Medical Bill Gurus, I learned a lot about digital marketing. I learned I, that was the first website I ever designed. Um, that was where I learned how to do SEO. That was where I learned. And if you know what SEO is, that is search engine optimization. That's basically if you Google something, I come up on the front page of Google and then you click on it and then you become my customer. That's SEO in a nutshell, okay? Uh, social media, and I learned a lot of use cases, right? Because as entrepreneurs, the way that we learn, in my experience, if you're creating a new category and a new business model, is you continuously fail and learn from your failures. And for me, every time I failed, I would collect analytics and be like, well, what could I do differently? If I spent $500 on Facebook ads, why did I only get five people on my website who stayed for more than 30 seconds? It's a good indicator that you probably fucked up and you don't know what you're doing, right? Yeah. But the thing is, is I also learned, I was like, well, you know, if you spend $100 and you get 5,000 people on your website for more than five minutes, then you just hit a home run. And that's what I learned with, with Medical Bull Gurus because it was really one piece of content that escalated us into the spotlight with SEO, within uh, social media. And uh, the content was talking about why isn't Lyme disease covered by insurance? This is a question that plagues so many people. So jumping to the digital marketing world, when I was uh, eventually I had a part ways with uh, Prepreneur, just wasn't scaling the way that I had hoped, and you know I was looking for a new opportunity, and so I went to a small business in Denver. I had really bad neck pain because I was killing myself with Michael Bogers, and said, "Hey man, like um, I think I'm pretty good at marketing. Would you uh, give me free massages and a, a chiropractic adjustments for me, and my wife, if I uh, can get you ranked on Google?" And so I went to this guy, I said, well, what do you do, blah, blah, blah. You know, he doubted me a lot because most business owners have never had a positive experience with a digital marketing agency. And at that point, it was just me. I wouldn't even call me anything. I didn't even bought the domain yet. And he said, well, um, do you think you're pretty confident? I said, here's the deal, dude. I don't want you to pay me anything until I get results. If I never get results, then I just wasted a lot of my time. 
Hmm. And he was like, well, I've never had anybody say that either. I said, okay. So I said, you know, I want to get you addicted that you're going to be afraid. I said, there's deals. If I get your results, you don't pay me. I'm going to collapse that house of cards I just built and go to your competitors, right? And he knew that, right? I mean, it's a chiropractic business, very competitive. So I did everything for free. And within uh, three months, I got them front page of Google for Denver Chiropractor. Um, I, I got them on the radio. I got the, the, the local major magazine, Westward, to cover them for CBD massage. Before you know it, I took over and we created a new vertical with CBD products. Um, and if you were to even ask Alexa to rank us on to what they would recommend a chiropractor in Denver, Colorado, they would actually recommend my business. Hmm. And so at this point, I really didn't ask that much. And so the owner was like, dude, I got I to gotta give you a percentage of the profits or something because like – I'm afraid you, I want to get you vested, right? Right. And so, you know, and he, and w- what I always tell people is don't expect to come in and have these crazy packages unless you have a portfolio or results or a poster child. So for that business, my poster child been medical gurus. So once I got this chiropractic business on the map and we, you know, we, we literally tripled our top line revenue. Um, I was like, well, Maybe I should go to other businesses and do this. And so before you know it, I would just use that as an example. And I had other businesses signing up for me to do their websites, their SEO, social media. And eventually it just took on wildfire because they're like, hey, I've seen the results. Like I tested that. I say, hey, like, you know, literally go go ask Alexa to recommend a chiropractor in Denver. See what, see what she says, you know. And they're like, dude, like fucking for real. Like and so it was not hard at all to get new clients. So whenever, you know, because at this point, you remember with medical gurus, you know, when you start a business, it takes time to get revenue to support yourself. And so if one one of your revenues drops off, you've got to find a way to pick it up back up. And that was why I started my agency. And so I went to a couple of businesses. And before you know it, I was, you know, I have about 10 to 15 clients I work with, you know, just me. Um, so it's very overwhelming. But, uh, you know, the thing is, my, my goal in life with small business owners is to get them a zero lead acquisition costs, automate their sales and marketing processes, and lead up their business because we are coming to a recession at some point. And so I know that if I can get enough poster trials like that, then I'm going to be recession-proof too because I could go into a business, lean them out, you know, um, and get them leads for very cheap. I just want to make sure, you know, we're aligned together. So that's why I started performance-based digital marketing. Hmm. And so, uh, you know, I target the right clients, but I'll go in there and say, I don't want to get paid unless I get you results. But if I get results, I want a, a cut of the action. So, Totally makes sense, man. It's really good that you think like that and you're able to put it into words as well. Because I know that a lot of people buy into like the Ty Lopez, like, become a media agency did you by any chance like listen to ty lopez or how did you how did you come up with like you know what i'm gonna do this well actually don't answer that i know how you kind of came up to it you're like well there's in this space a lot of people can use help you just explain you talk to the youtube university youtube university you can learn a lot of engineering school, but you can learn a lot more on YouTube. So, um, so you know, basically, as I was building medical gurus, I learned I just watch keynotes, just study keynotes. Like, you know, how did other entrepreneurs attack problems? How did they? And I'm not talking about Steve Jobs because everybody will be like blah blah. I'm talking about um, Brian Halligan from from HubSpot at his inbound keynotes, talking about that we're going to a self service space and that 
you know, all of our services are going to be self-service. And it was like, well, how can I make medical billing self-service? You know, if I send them electronic documents and have them sign them on their time. So if they sign up at four in the morning, they can do everything on the spot. They'd prefer that versus waiting for a phone call for me the next day, which I may or may not get to because I'm too busy. Hmm. Um, you know, watching keynotes like that with David Cancel of Drifts, um, watching just various uh, tutorials on SEO with Chase Reiner, uh, Josh Pazinski. You know, these are guys you can go on right now. They're still active. And just, just listen to them. Listen to their pitches. Listen to how they sell their products. Listen to how they, you know, get results for people and then mimic it. I mean, none of this is proprietary. I mean, the Google algorithm changes on a daily basis every minute of every day because it's AI and machine learning. So the more you can learn, the more results you can produce to give you that authority, you can pretty much do anything. And I'll be honest, guys, right now, I don't even have a website up for my own agency. So it's kind of, you know, I have a digital marketing agency. I only have my own website. I just send people my uh, results, and that's usually enough. So. No, that should work. I mean, if you have, like, a portfolio that shows exactly what you do. So... I have this like networking company that I that I go on just to meet up with other entrepreneurs that are trying to grow their business. And most of the time when I meet anybody, they talk about they talk about having like a media agency, a social media marketing company, and then every time you ask them for results, they can't share results. And then you go to like their Instagram page and they have like 239 followers, which Almost makes no sense to me. I, I, I'd rather you do the work first. Numbers don't lie. Exactly. <laughs> and s- stop putting yourself out there like that because it's, it's it looks ridiculous. Well, well, so this is what I – there's a lot of people who say they do SEO. And what's funny is I, I have a lot of SEO agencies call me for medical bill gurus because I'm the listed person on there, right? Yeah. And I say, well, you do SEO. What's a keyword I could search right now that you're ranked for? Oh, uh, I was like – well, you do SEO though, right? They're like, well, we're ranked for this keyword. I said, well, if you're on the ninth page of Google, they probably did, would have gotten fifth page if you hadn't done anything. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's comical, right? And so uh, for a lot of my competitors in Denver, I know I, this is what my pitch is for all businesses, and it usually works pretty well. I said, I didn't learn to do digital marketing because I'm, um, you know, a fake it till you make it guy. I built a business and got so busy that I need to start another business. Hmm. And so uh, I have results. Yeah. And not only did I build that business up and get results, I got a zero lead acquisition cost, and I can show you the numbers to prove it. And uh, when I go to these other, when I, when I hear others talking about their numbers, I say, well, you know, let me run some analytics in my software. I pay a small car payment for every month. Um, you know, let's see. Oh no, 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 I don't want to do that. Right now. I'm like, well, you know, if you're if you're pitching this to people, why are you lying to them? Because you have not gotten results. And why I'm so passionate about small businesses is because every dollar matters. And so if someone comes into a small business and they fuck them over, that could devastate that business. Oh, 100%. Um, and so with digital marketing, a lot of times people will come in there and offer like a, a $15,000 package and they'll be great at selling it, but they don't know how to actually follow through. Hmm. And so I tell every business owner who's listening to this that if you're going to be hiring a digital marketing agency – um, you know, running it, have someone, you know, I could even, I don't, I'm a busy guy, so I couldn't do it, but have someone run analytics on those results and verify them for you. Cause they could be completely fucking full of shit. 
And if they're just, you know, a lot of website people who do websites will just take a demo template of a WordPress theme and literally change the words and that's it. They won't know how to customize anything. Whenever I do a website for a client, I look at the top players in that niche throughout the world that most, not the world, but sometimes the world, uh, but usually in the U.S., uh, you know, Miami, I'll look for a roofing business. I'll look at what's a Miami roofing business, a New York roofing business. What are the functionalities that help that business to get ranked number one? And that's what I mimic, not a WordPress demo. And a lot of people, We'll say they do websites and they just plug and play. For me, it takes me an average 120 hours to do a website. But you better believe that when that's all said and done within three, six months, I'm very confident we'll get results and be a game changer for that business. And I'm pretty sure I've seen it. So you, I remember the couple of just like fun little projects like the affiliated marketing with Amazon, with the freefoodhacks.com. Yeah. Super interesting, man. Um how you kind of think outside the box, but it all makes logical sense. If you put in the groundwork first, you're going to get paid. If yeah. it's, if you plant those seeds out there, man, just provide value. Yeah. And I know people say this, but also you have to be aware. You have to really be aware man. about everything around you as well. Not just yourself. Um, so I don't want to take too much of your time. I know that we've been here for a little bit over an hour, but What's next for Daniel Lynch? Man, um, you know, Medical Bull Gurus is, is uh, like I said, it's it's my passion project. Like for this, this is my, I don't know, man. Like, you know, you get that one big shot that you've been looking for, man. Medical Bull Gurus is my number one focus right now. My agency is there. That was mainly to help me survive the financial death spiral. Um, but, you know, Medical Bull Gurus, dude, is is something that I'm, I'm trying to go next level. And so... I, I just took this trip to Austin. Um, I've got about five or six other trips planned. I'm going to be going to Germany, but I plan on continuing to grow medical bill gurus to, to something you've never seen ever happen for a medical billing company. Hmm. We're going to make medical billing sexy again, right? No one ever thinks about medical billing, but what do you think the glue of our healthcare system is that the insurance companies, the patients, and the providers all have together? It's the financial institution and how do you bill things? How do they pay for things? They do it by medical billing. And so I, I look forward to growing medical billing and helping not only, you know, you know, continue to grow the business, but maybe have a chance to influence the future of healthcare and how patients can afford treatment and can avoid some of the certain situations that patients find themselves every day ruining themselves financially. And who knows, maybe try to help create competitions amongst insurance providers and, you know, help, help, help streamline the process as much as possible. I'm, I'm a big thinker. I, I don't know where it's going to be going, but you know, the thing that I know is that if I put patients first, deploy empathy and continue to get results that the opportunity is never going to end. So. Hmm. Can I ask you a question? Just, What's your work ethic like? What, what time do you wake up and at what time are you going to sleep? <laughs> I usually wake up around uh, 9 a.m. I usually go to bed around uh, 2 or 3 typically, sometimes later. So, hmm. um, you know, I usually on average, I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, that's probably, it's probably, I probably, le- I probably wake up earlier than that and go to bed later than that when I think about it. But I usually wake up working and work until I pass out every day. And that's kind of my goal. And I, and I know that that's horrible. That's not a quality of life that um, anybody signs up for. But um, I'm just so dedicated to putting the groundwork in so that I can enjoy my 30s, start a family, and uh, continue just to, you know, 
be happy and find be there to help my family and so I have no problem working every minute of everyday waking. Um, just might need a little coffee or Red Bull here and there. Not going to lie. You know, you burn out. But, uh, you know, if you're passionate and you're driven and you're getting results for what you're doing, you're, it's how do you sleep at night? I mean, for me, I, I, I have a hard time going to bed. Like, I can't turn it off, man. When you get someone back $50,000 that they thought they would never get back for alternative cancer treatments that saved their life, um, you know, those moments burn into your heart and your mind. And you just – you're like, I got to help more people like that because those people will send you handwritten notes saying that you saved them financially and that, you know, they, they never thought it would be possible. And so, you know, I'm just always chasing the dragon, like I like to say, with these these feelings, this this release of success and um, just love helping people. And, you know, I say empathy is my superpower and, you know, I have no problem, you know, helping people any way I can. And as long as I put empathy first, everything's always going to come together. So, yeah, man. And that's and that is really good to keep you going too like for me i'm the same kind of way um i really can't turn it off and it doesn't take for me to get somebody fifty thousand dollars back but i have you know made somebody more than fifty thousand but that's not what motivates me to continue going every single day at all hours it's the fact that it could be better you know, whatever I have going, it could a hundred percent. And you have you have a drug addiction too. It's called success. It releases <laughs> the same type of dopamine, serotonin that you would get from other things. You know, but it literally is just that when you get results and you get success over and over again, it's how do you, how how do you turn that off? I mean, it's literally an addiction. I mean, when I can go say, "Hey, I got you front page of Google. I can prove it." You know, search Denver chiropractor. We're number four or five right now, trying to beat Yelp in the joint, but. Um, I get like, I mean, I get like a, a rush in my head. I'm just like, man, I, I did that, dude. That's fucking dope, right? And I know that I can share those results and other people will, will be impressed as well. And that release of just success in your mind just blows you away every single time. And so every day I take uh, AHRFs for some new keywords to get me that rush. It's a little of an addiction. I check it three times a day, you know. Um, but, you know, success is just amazing. But most of all, um, I love just knowing, having the confidence in myself that I don't need anybody. I don't need to rely on anybody in my life to take control of a situation to get some type of result. You know, I don't need an employer. I don't need to ask someone permission to go on vacation. I can go work from I can go work from Fiji and do SEO. You know, I mean, yeah. you know, it's just like I never want to give that up, right? Because right. for me, the idea of going back to a cubicle sounds like going to a lifelong prison sentence. Oh man, I don't so. even know how that would feel to go back. So, Daniel, man, without uh, taking too much more of your time, uh, I know that we're going to hear from you again next time you fly back from Denver. I know that you'll have so many more interesting stories that you can share and just advice for those trying to start a business or is just somewhere just stagnant, not moving, don't know what to do. Uh, you said a lot of good advice to research on YouTube, uh, research whatever it is that you're trying to do and get it done. Where can the listeners or the watchers follow you? Pretty big on uh, LinkedIn and Instagram. So uh, hit me up on Instagram at Ambitious Lynch, L-Y-N-C-H. Um, that's really the best place to connect with me. Um, really trying to just kind of share my story on there. And um, if you actually go through my, my posts and some of the stories I posted over the, the last couple of years, you'll see – kind of the the failures and the triumphs on all aspects and you know i'm trying to hopefully sh you know share the journey with some people and kind of how i went from uh, you know the financial desperate of quitting corporate america to you know where i am today and hopefully the future successes of where i'll be tomorrow so 
Hmm. Boom, man. You're going to be successful, man. You're going to be a millionaire. Hopefully, you make it to the billionaire. Or I'll at least be happy, and that's more than anything. Yeah, that's very important. Hey, guys, thanks for tuning in. That was Daniel Lynch. Um, guys, again, if you're trying to find a home, uh, you're having a hard time, call City contact city inside houston you can literally google it or put it on your maps apple maps google maps doesn't matter just type in city inside houston and you'll get an agent and help you right away again thanks for joining us thanks daniel lynch uh grow the ruben you guys have a great day